Coming up next on Contemplate. There is judgment. There is judgment. In order for God to be a good God, to be good, he must judge the evildoer. Has to. Has to. Johnny Cash is not wrong. Sooner or later, it's going down. Right? Sooner or later, you cannot defy God forever. We're in Acts chapter 12, where Peter has just been freed from prison by an angel and goes to a home where people were praying for his release. And their response is all too familiar. Here's Pastor David. Let's look at the next couple of verses, 13 and 14. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. All right. So Rhoda means Rose is, is what her name is. You know, he's out there. He's knocking on the gate. She comes, and he's like, hey, Peter here. And she's like, ah! And she's so excited. She runs in and tells everybody Peter's outside, but doesn't let him inside. Meanwhile, he's standing there being like, okay, any second, these soldiers that just woke up and realized I was gone are going to find me and put me back in prison, and here I am outside the gate, sitting here at the gate, right? So not a good thing for Peter <laughs> as he sits here. And she goes inside, okay? She goes inside and she tells them. This is what they said to her, verse 15. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angel. Now, this is fascinating. These people have been in continuous prayer. For what? That God would save Peter. That he would get released from prison. That he would save him. That he'd be alive. Rhoda comes in all excited and says, he's out there outside. They're literally probably interrupting them for praying. Lord, release Peter from prison. And then they come in. He's, he's here. And they're like, no, no. You're crazy. You're nuts. And she's like, no, no, I'm, I'm positive I saw it. And they're like, well, she isn't actually crazy, so you must have seen his angel. There were some beliefs that went around in Judaism that uh, people had an individual angel and that that angel could manifest in the appearance of that person. That was a, a common Jewish belief at the time among some folks. And so that's what they're, you know, it's his angel. It's Peter's angel or you've, you know, been up too long praying, whatever the case is, you've made this up. You've made this up. We're fervently praying for this thing to happen, but there's just no way it happened. There's no way it happened. They didn't believe her, right? They were slow to believe in the power of God to answer their prayers. Now, do we pray expectantly, believing that God's going to do what he says he's going to do? Or do we pray as a matter of course, like, well, I should probably pray about this, and then let it go, and then if God does answer it, we're kind of like, well, yeah, but it was probably going to happen anyway, or this is the reason it happened, or that is the reason it happened. Or do you believe that God has the power to answer prayer. And do you live like that? Just as an aside, as Luke is writing Acts, if he wants to show that the church is this great institution that's just so full of faith, he doesn't include this part of the story. Right? He wouldn't include this part of the story if he wanted to show the church was so full of faith and just great all the time. He includes it because it's what happened. Now, what's interesting about that is when you talk to skeptics, they'll often say things like, well, these first century, uh, you know, country folks, they believe there was all kinds of magical stuff going on. 
You know, it was easy for them to believe in a virgin birth. It was easy for them to believe that Jesus rose from the dead or whatever, because they believed all kinds of magical stuff happened. No, not the case. Even when they were praying for Peter's release, they didn't believe it happened. Why? Because he was guarded by four sets of guards, and he's chained between two people, and people who are in that position don't get released. It doesn't happen, right? Short of a miracle, it doesn't happen, and they were slow to believe a miracle. They were slow to believe a miracle. These people were just like you and me. When somebody comes and says something crazy happened, we go, okay, you know, that's, that's fantastic, uh-huh, um, because crazy things don't generally happen. It's unreasonable. It's unreasonable. And so the fact is, is the people in the first century were just as reasonable as we were and understood that people didn't just fly away from the Romans when they were, they knew that James had just had his head cut off, right? So they knew people didn't just fly away. Just important to remember when people try to tell you that people in the first century would just believe anything that anybody said. Obviously not true. Obviously not true. Okay. All right. Let's look at uh, verse 16. So, now, Peter continued knocking. He's still out there, right? (laughs) Hey! (laughs) The soldiers are coming. Um, And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Why? That's what you're praying for. You were praying for this. Why are you so astonished? But that's what they were. They were astonished. They were astonished. You know, again, they just, these guys had seen amazing things, no doubt. People, I mean, we've read about what's going on. These people know, you know, Jesus rose from the dead. Many of these people saw him alive after he was dead. They've seen miracles. They've seen healings. They've seen all kinds of stuff. And yet they had gotten so comfortable since whatever the last thing they saw was that for whatever reason, they didn't believe that God was still working in power in that same way. And I think all of us can become that way. All of us can become that way. Like, what have you done for me lately, God? Yeah, we saw, you know, Lyle Gadden healed of cancer. Yeah, we saw this marriage get back together. We saw this person healed from this. Or we saw, well, you know, I don't believe this one because, you know, I just haven't seen it in a while. It's, it's easy. We, we get comfortable. And God becomes something intellectual and not something real. To some extent, that's what's happened here. They're astonished. They can't believe it, even though they've seen all the things they've seen. All right, let's look at the next verse. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, you think, as they're making a fuss out there and these soldiers are looking for him, he said, shh. (laughs) And he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. All right, a couple things here. He tells them what happened, and then he says, go tell James and the brothers what happened. Now, Another James, okay? So stay with me. You got two James in this, in this one passage. First one was James, the brother of John, sons of Zebedee, sons of thunder. This James is actually the half-brother of Jesus, who has become a leader in the church, a skeptic while Jesus was alive, you know, which your brother tends to be when you tell him that you're God, okay? <laughs> if you ever tried it, like, by the way, uh, Jimmy, uh, <clears throat> I'm God. Uh, you know, brother's going to be like, noogie time, right? You're not buying that. And so he didn't, which again, of course, people don't believe that kind of stuff. When did he believe? When Jesus appeared to him after his resurrection. James became a believer in Christ, so much so that we'll see that, that James, the brother of Jesus, actually is martyred for his belief that Jesus was God and that he rose from the dead. That happens later. Pretty strong belief to believe that your brother is God and that he rose from the dead. Some pretty strong evidence for the resurrection. Um, so he also writes the book of James, great book. If you get a chance to read it, it's in the Bible. Um, 
So he goes and he says, James and the brethren. So what we know is this. James and the brethren aren't there. Why? They're at their own life groups. That's where they are. There's other houses in the city with groups of people meeting together and praying for Peter, no doubt. Right? No doubt. That's why he's, go tell them that. They're probably praying too. Let them know what God's done here. They're in their own life groups. This is probably Peter's life group. Right? And so we know that. That's where he is, and that's where he tells them to go. All right. It says this. Then, as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. But when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. That's Herod, Agrippa, goes down to Caesarea. No small stir, you think? Right? It's going to be a little bit, I was, there was a dude chain between us, and now there's not a dude chain between us. Um, I think we'll cause a stir about this. They're, they're upset, right? They're upset. The code of Justinian said that if you let a prisoner escape, you could receive the same punishment that they were going to get. That's what happened, right? You lost him, you're going to get killed instead, which is what happened to these guys. Not a good ending for them. Now, let's look at the second story in, in our passage today, okay? Herod, we've just been told, Herod goes from there to Caesarea, okay? Caesarea. Uh, let's, we get map time. Give me a map up. So, Caesarea, if you can see on the coast there, it's kind of in the middle. Caesarea, we've talked about this place before, right? This is where Cornelius was. Cornelius, the centurion, the first Gentile into the church that we have record of, he lived in Caesarea. This is where Herod is going. Let's look at the, the verse here. Uh, verse 20. Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they came to him with one accord, and having made Blastus, the king's personal aide, their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. All right, let's get my map back up. So last week we talked about a place called Phoenicia. If you look at the top up here on the map, you'll see Tyre and Sidon, okay? That area, that whole area is Phoenicia, Okay, those are the major cities of Phoenicia. These cities, Herod's not happy with. So the people from these cities have come to Herod because they, wanna, they want to sue for peace. They want, they want them to, Herod not to be mad at them. And why? Because Galilee has traditionally been a major food supplier for Tyre and Sidon. And so they're hungry. They're hungry. They need food for this area of Phoenicia. But Herod isn't happy with them, so they're not getting what they want. So they come down, they find this guy Blastus, this personal aide to Herod Agrippa I, and they say, hey, we want, you know, we want it to make nice with Herod. Okay? That's what they say. Here we go. Verse 21. So on a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne, and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, the voice of a god and not of a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God, and he was eaten by worms and died. Oops. That's rough. Yeah. Yeah. It's nasty, man. So Harry gets all dressed up. He's all fancy. I mean, he is, he's, he's wanting to look good. These people, these people want his approval. Well, they're going to they're gonna tell him how good he is. He comes out there and he gives this little speech, right? And these people, oh, Herod, you're a god and not a man. Oh, you're so great. And he's just like, mm-hmm, that's right. You know, these emperors, they all wanted to be thought of as gods. Herod wasn't going to have anything less. Yeah, you're right. You're going to call me. Do you want some food from my district? 
You're going to call me a God. And he did not give God the glory. Don't forget, this guy knows the teachings, the Torah. He knows the law. He knows that to raise himself up like God and not to give God the glory and say, no, 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 I'm not a God, which is what you see every time that stuff, something happens where they say, oh, you're a God. The, the believers, they're like, no, whoa, 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 I'm a man like you. Herod doesn't do that. Herod doesn't do that. And things don't go well for him. He's, he's struck down and eaten by worms. Um, doctors think that this may have been a kidney disease which led to internal gangrene, which was complicated by something called Fournier's disease, which spread to his genitals and involved basically rotting the flesh away. And maggots would have eaten the rotten flesh. Now, do not research this. I cannot unsee some of the medical pictures that I saw <laughs> of what they think happened to Herod Agrippa I, one of the most just gross deaths that we have recorded. Don't worry, we'll be at lunch soon. Okay, so he's eaten by worms. So uh, <laughs> Josephus, the historian, he gives us another account. I'm going to read it real quick so you can see how it mirrors this passage in Acts. Josephus is a, is a Jewish historian, secular Jewish historian, who also recorded this event. It says this, now when Agrippa had reigned three years over all Judea, he came to the city Caesarea, which was formerly called Strato's Tower. And there he had exhibited spectacles in honor of Caesar, for whose well-being he'd been informed that a certain festival was being celebrated. At this festival, a great number were gathered together of the principal persons of dignity of his province. On the second day of the spectacles, he put on a garment made wholly of silver. So he's got a garment that's completely made of silver. This guy's fancy. Okay. Um, of a truly wonderful texture. And came into the theater early in the morning. There the silver of his garment, being illuminated by the fresh reflection of the sun's rays, shone out in a wonderful manner. And was so resplendent as to spread awe over those that looked intently upon him. Presently his flatterers cried out, one from one place and another from another, though not for his good, that he was a god. And they added, be thou merciful to us, for although we have hitherto referenced thee only as a man, yet shall we henceforth own thee as superior to mortal nature. I doubt that's exactly how they talked. But upon this, the king neither rebuked them nor rejected their impious flattery. A severe pain arose in his belly, striking with a most violent intensity. His pen became violent. Accordingly, he was carried into the palace, and the rumor went abroad everywhere that he would certainly die soon. And when he had been quite worn out by the pain in his belly for five days, he departed this life. So, a little, a different perspective, same story. Um, Luke concentrates on certain, certain aspects of it, Josephus on others, but this is, this is what happened. Bad stuff, okay? Herod defied God. He was trying to destroy the church. And then he tried to raise himself up as a God. And when he did that, God judged him. God judged him. Okay? Um, let's finish out the passage, verses 24 and 25. But the word of God grew and multiplied, which is what we see over and over and over again. Those who try to come against it, they go down, and the word of God grows and multiplies. Last thing we see here is, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. We had earlier talking about how Barnabas and Saul had come down to Jerusalem to bring aid from the, from the, from the city of Antioch and so on. So they now return. Okay. Nobody stops the march 
of Christ's church. Nobody stops the march. Herod could not stop the Holy Spirit from moving. He could not stop the power of God. In these stories, we have two, Herod and Peter's life group, who doubted the power of God. And in both times, God showed his power. And one time for the good, right? Encouraging the church by showing, hey, I'm going to protect the church and saving Peter. The other time, not so good, right? For Herod, who thought that he could defy God and that there would be no judgment. You can run on for a long time, but sooner or later, God will cut you down, right? That's what Herod found out. That's what he found out. These are both important lessons. Let's talk about Herod first for a second. We're so careful these days about talking about things like justice and judgment, those aspects of who God is, because so many people have done it in a very negative way, and they've used it to oppress people. Um, they've used the, the, these aspects of God, and they've lifted up God's judgment and missed his amazing grace. And so because of that, we've become afraid to talk about it at all because other people have screwed up, but here's the deal. There is judgment. There is judgment. In order for God to be a good God, to be good, he must judge the evildoer. Has to. Has to. Johnny Cash is not wrong. Sooner or later, it's going down. Right? Sooner or later, you cannot defy God forever. You cannot. Do not mistake God's patience and grace in your life, the fact that you haven't been cut down yet, for his ignorance of what you're doing or for a lack of resolve to do what needs to be done. Patience is not ignorance. Okay? Patience is not God just doesn't have the, the gusto to execute judgment. He tells us very clearly that he will. He may let you go for a while as he tries to draw you to himself. But if you defy him, if you refuse him, eventually things are not going to go well for you. There is um, no other option when the time comes for God to judge the world. Because Jesus is going to judge the world. He is going to judge the world. And there's going to be no other option except to cry out and call on the blood of Jesus and the grace that he's provided us through his death and resurrection. Because sin demands a price. And that price is judgment. It's death. And we're all going there if not for the blood of Jesus Christ, who did pay the price. He paid that price. Otherwise, the judgment is coming. The judgment is coming. And I'm not loving you if I always concentrate on the grace side and, the, and, and that side of Christianity and never tell you that, by the way, if you don't get real about this, judgment's coming. Because it is. It is coming. Yeah, and, and, and Scripture's not shy about it at all, about what's going to go down. And in fact, if God is to be someone we would worship, he must be a just God. We cry out when we see injustice, oppression, the evildoer getting away with something that they shouldn't get away with. When there's no punishment, when there's no retribution, we cry out against that. It's unjust. And we would have to say the same thing if God did not exercise judgment. That's why we celebrate the gospel, the good news, because God's judgment will be stayed for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. If you will follow Christ, 
he won't have that judgment because he's already paid the price for you. He's got the victory, right? All we have to do is believe and confess Jesus as Lord. Lord, meaning I'm submitted to you. I'm following you, Jesus Christ. And we're good. And we're good. We need to believe in the power of God. Both for judgment and for doing amazing things. For doing amazing things in the church. Uh, The folks in Peter's life group were praying, but apparently not really believing. Right? Not really thinking, well, he's actually going to do it. Right? We're just having a prayer meeting. I just came for the cookies. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sure they were there for the right reason. Um, we got to believe that God will answer our prayers. we got to believe that God will do great things. That doesn't mean he's going to answer and give you everything you want. He's not a genie in a bottle. Oh, God, I would like a new, what, I want to go to Hawaii. You know, uh, that's not how God is. Okay? There's times when he tells you no, and thank God that he does. If I got everything I had ever wanted and asked for in prayer, I would be a very unhappy man right now. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says wait. Sometimes he says yes. But we're in his will and asking him for things that we already know he wants, like to reach this area for the gospel. And we pray for it. He will show up in power, and we need to believe it and be waiting for it and not be like, what? I'm astonished. <laughs> None of us would say that. But we can't be that way, right? We've got to believe it. We've got to believe it because he will do it. Acts Church needs to be a praying church, and Acts Church needs to be an expectant, believing church. That's what we have to be, okay? It's going to take the power of God to turn the people in this community to Jesus of Nazareth. It's going to take the power of God to do that. That means we need to ask him to be here in power and be prepared for what he's going to do. Because of God's power and mercy and grace, Peter was spared, and the church marched on. Because of God's power and mercy and grace, the church still marches on and always will. God's judgment is real. So we need the church so that people can know about his grace. We don't want want that judgment for anybody. We want every single person to know Jesus, to follow him. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have not put your faith in him, if you have not submitted to him as Lord, believed in him, as a resurrected son of God, if you have not done that, it's time. We can help you with that. Choose to follow him today, now. Don't wait any longer. If you are a follower of Jesus, believe in his power to do amazing things in your life. He's done amazing things in and through me. And if you follow him, he will do amazing things in and through you. So do you realize that you need Jesus in your life? It's the most important decision you'll ever make. And if you need help or still have questions, call us at 360-885-9000 or send us an email. Use info at axchurchnw.org. We'd love to help you find the peace and hope that comes with knowing Jesus. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll be right here next time for more great Bible teaching with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.